Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Oh, it hurts me to say this, but last night the Brumbies just simply too good for the Chiefs. They were magnificent there in Hamilton and they really have set the standard when it comes to the Australian side. Such a rich history, haven't they, the Brumbies, when it comes to Super Rugby. Uh, one man who played 48 games for them and 21 games for the Waratahs, along with 34 tests for the Wallabies, now joins us on the programme, Justin Harrison. Welcome, Justin. Good night, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. I've got Justin Marshall alongside of me. He speaks very highly of you. <laughs> well, you must have caught him in a weak moment. Mm. Uh, I think the other, Justin, the other Justin I'm sure he refers to as his evil twin. Hey, uh, Justin, I've got a question. So why is it that the Brumbies, year in, year out, seem to be able to have the succession plan, seem to always be the strongest of the Super Rugby sides? We've never really seen the Brumbies throughout, what, the 27 years of Super Rugby ever sort of really fall over. What, do they, what are they doing? What are you doing in Canberra that perhaps some of the other Australian sides haven't done over the years? Well, look, I, I think you probably need look not much further than what the Crusaders do themselves. You know, the 25 years of, you know, since 96, the Super Rugby competition started. The Brumbies were able to be formed on, on the back of having some pretty, very good local players already established there. George Gregg and Joe Roth, Rod Carter, Stephen Larkham, mixed in with some players that were an overspill of talent from the other dominant unions, Queensland and New South Wales. And what they were able to do very quickly is establish an identity uh, and, a, and a style of game that suited what they were trying to do. And you see that through the way they train. You see that through the way they recruit. You see that the way they do a character assessment of, of who they're signing and their capacity to learn and come in with the desire to get to get better. And, look, that's, that doesn't mean it's bereft or absent in any of the other programs. It's just that, you know, geographically, the Brummies has been well-suited to getting a group of people together to, inside a high-performing model. You know, the Waratahs in Queensland have been dominant for, for much and large parts of Super Rugby as well. But you're right, there does seem to be a bit of consistency in the Brumbies and the capacity to bring people into a program. And whenever they exit, they have definitely got better. Good. Thanks for joining us, mate. Um, I'll use this in a kind way. Uh, given the robust style of player that you were, um, and most people wanted to avoid a, a breakdown or a ruck when you were on the way to it or are already in it. I'll put it that way and I can be testament to that. Um, what what I've noticed is the point to my question, I, I thought that in the last two to three years, the New Zealand teams had started to dominate Australian teams because they just out-physicaled them. Certainly mm. doesn't appear to be that way, particularly this year. And last night, that was the most impressive thing that I noticed about the Brumbies, their physicality. Have, have the Australian teams really upped it in that area? Yeah, look, it's a good observation. And I suppose, um, you know, 
one of the things about physicality is it, it needs to be married to execution of skill inside what intrinsically is a reasonably violent moment of the game. You know, you've got mass force, mass people, muscle power, strength, speed, entering and exiting collision zones all the time. But you need to think about why you're doing that and, and returning the ball that you're taking into those contact situations in a better position than when you took it back to your teammates. I think that's probably what the plumbers are increasingly getting successful at, concentrating on the small things inside those big violent moments that come together into an execution of skill. Now, you need people to present themselves all the time right, to put themselves in harm's way. You know, some of the most successful rugby players in the world um, are able to put themselves consistently in harm's way, but also execute when under pressure. We do see Australian teams now certainly marrying that with the physicality that we know they have. We even saw it with the Queensland Reds, although they they lost to the Highlanders. We had people presenting Harry Wilson, Lucan Solakailoto, and the Brumbies, Caden Neville, you know, Darcy Swain, Rob Balatini, uh, Pete Summer. Those those players are certainly consistently entering and exiting high collision zones with a, with a high degree of skill execution, and that for me has been the differentiator for the Kiwis for so long. They're so good at entering and exiting with high leg speed and execution. And this, this ability to see every skill work is not through luck, certainly not through planning. We love the way that Kiwi sides play what's in front of them. But you're marrying that with skill execution. I think for Australian sides, that's what we're starting to see. Lots of passion and lots of athleticism and violence but also some skill execution married to it. The old apple doesn't fall far from the, the tree, does it? When I when I watched the Brumbies last night, the line-out has been such an attacking weapon for them. I think uh, 29 times they have either scored from the line-out drive or from line-out inside the 22. Now, that was a massive strength of you guys when you, when you played. You reeled off the names before, but I know having played against you guys, your line-out, attack was unmatched and this Brumby side which will please you are certainly very very ruthless when they get into that 22 and they can launch off line out well they're much stronger in what we were ever hoping to be strong in and that's the dominance of the tight forwards right so that more when they get within 15 20 even meters of the tie line you know there's a more coming that's just about impregnable and it's very mm. difficult to stop um, you know, I, I, I used to get my face blow torched off when I called them all from Rod K from Breeds and Rock. So I mean, give us the ball. They're not coming here to watch you blokes. But, you, you know, you, you, it's a really valid point. Over 35% of the, of the Brumbies, you know, more than a third of their of their try comes from, from line-outs. But importantly also, mate, they spend a lot of time defensively. We know that defensive line-outs, you manipulate what a team's able to do against you as well. So positionally, the they're very attuned to the importance of not only securing our own ball and, and capitalising, but manipulating the defence. And, mate, you know, you look, you don't need to look much further back in our history. David Gifford, John Langford, some of the best, you know, some of the best line act technicians of Daniel Vickerman. You know, and that, that's a theme that's come through. So to your first point about why are the Brumbies seeming to maintain consistency, it's always been a big theme about the fundamentals of the game in terms of winning the ball and keeping the ball and manipulating who you're playing against. And set piece is one of your best opportunities to launch considered first phase scoring, attacking 
one plays. So that's what the drummies look to do. They look to score from every phase, not set up three phases to execute on the fourth or fifth. Okay, mate. So, look, they're tracking along very, very nicely, um, you know, in, in second position on the ladder, but they've got some tough ones coming up. They've got the Crusaders. Yeah. Um, hopefully you'll be there. Uh, Mertz invited me over, but uh, unfortunately I, have to, I do have to work here. But um, that's going to be a cracking game. And then they've got the Blues to follow. Are, are they capable of uh, winning those two games? Because they can set themselves up pretty well to probably finish top if they can win those two games. Well, look, mate. I think that I think that we've. Well, firstly, let me say that any time Andrew Mertens invites you to anything, you say no. Um, but <laughs> look, I, I I I think that what we're seeing in Super Rugby Civic now is some uncertainty of result creeping in. So, without reading reading tea leaves, what we've seen from the Brumbies and certainly the Waratahs now, and and the Reds once they get through a bit of an injury crisis, is that. Two teams are taking the field, and we're not really sure how it's going to go, but we know that we want to see some things happen for one team to position themselves above another, and that's that's a healthy position to be in. Absolutely, the Brumbies have shown now, having convincingly, I would say, beaten the Chiefs away in New Zealand, convincingly beaten Hurricanes in an afternoon Sunday game. They are in a position to uh, expect that they are taking the field confidence and well-prepared. The Crusaders will need to be every bit of the Crusaders to beat them. And we are we are starting to get misty-eyed and nostalgic about all of those great clashes that the Brumbies and the Crusaders have had historically coming to the fore when they meet on Friday night. It's, it's going to be unpredictable. It's going to be ferocious. It's going to be test match intensity. And those are all the ingredients that, that remind us that the Super Rugby Pacific competition is one of the best competitions in the world starting to find its identity again in, in, in a very competitive international market. So, okay, mate, just just lastly, <laughs> do they have the ability and depth to be able to cope with adversity in terms of injury? So if they were to lo- lose a Lolo Seal or a Nick White or a Valentini um, leading into the playoffs or for any of these big games, do they have the calibre of player to step in and still maintain this momentum like the New Zealand teams do with their depth? Yeah, well, look, that's a great question, Marshy, and, and it's a real conundrum, you know, for Australian rugby at the, at the moment. You look at the path that the Crusaders have had to walk to get through the last 14 days, um, you know, they had huge and wholesale force changes. They've also got load management sitting above them with some of their all-black stars. So whether they've injured or, or COVID-enforced and or national body-enforced, you know, the, the, the strength of, of Kennedy Rugby is most certainly the depth. And we heard Razor Robertson talk about it on the weekend, you know, this bit of a myth about death and depth and the Crusaders didn't really show us that against the Waratahs. I'll tell you what, they showed us that against the force. And, and mate, it's a great question because... If the Brumbies, if you consider that they had to make maybe five or six wholesale changes to not only just players, starting regular international players, then, then they cut with that. Now, what we do know, mate, is that the Brumbies are, are good at changing skins and changing faces and still performing to a blueprint and a style. And that's that's the thing that we've seen yeah. more yeah. of them in other provinces as well, right? The Waratahs are starting to show some consistency of of performance. The Reds have got a blueprint now and some, some steel in them. And the Brumbies most certainly are adhering to the, 
style of play and ingredients. So when you see, you know, right from under six, I say quite frequently, and this could be the world's longest answer, but, you know, under six players down at Lower Hutt or all across New Zealand, you see bits of All Black or you see bits of Hurricanes or you see bits of Crusaders, depending on where they are geographically, showing up in their game. And as you go older and more professional, it gets more intense and bigger and, and more frequent. We're starting to see that. We see that in Australian rugby, and we see that in the Brumbies. You know, you see it through the style of play, you see it the way they recruit, and you see that consistency. So they're in a program that's preparing them to play a certain way. And as you know, mate, you rock up on game day, and a coach says, "Okay, we want to play fast today." If you haven't done that, or you haven't been conditioned to do that, you've no chance to do it. So if we are forced to make five or six changes. You can expect to ask those players that are in that program at the same time to be able to at least understand and have trained the way they want to play. Now, the rest is up to game day and execution and calmness under pressure and all those things that we love about the uncertainty of the cauldron of professional sport, um, you know. So, look, I think they've got the depth to consider that. Of course, we don't want to see wholesale changes forced upon any group, and, the, and it is admirable and the, the courage and, and, and bravery in the way that the Crusaders have presented themselves over the last two weeks with their changes. The difference is you're swapping out players with test established players and that could be a telling difference if the Brummies um, are forced to go down the same route. Totally agree and, and well answered. Hey mate, I really appreciate your time on Mother's Day. Um, I've ruined with you and I no doubt you would have showered your uh, <laughs> mum or whatever with gifts because I know you're good at buying candles and bath bombs and things like that. It's a real speciality <laughs> of yours. Hey, 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 just... Well, uh, I, just I had to buy them for you. You made them buy them for you, pal. So don't, don't <laughs> you know, you're hey, hey, Justin Harrison, just before you do go, just a couple of quick-fire um, low-key quote questions. Who was the best all-black halfback you ever played against? <laughs> uh, 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 it's not a trick question. It's just a quick answer. Anyone but Justin Marshall. Okay, and when Justin Marshall was named in an all-black team and you took the field, how long into the game before he got underneath your collar with the chirpiness and chipping away before you decided you really needed to sort him out at the bottom of a ruck or just bunch him? But I could just about, I could hear him through the wall before we even, before we even <laughs> ran off. Oh, Justin, Justin Harrison, love you to have you on the program. Look, all the best for your Brumby side against the Crusaders this Friday. Looking forward to it. Yeah, good luck to both teams, and we are really excited about it. Thanks for your time, guys. Thank you, Justin Harrison yeah, there, a man who played a lot of games for the Brumbies and a lot of tests for the Wallabies on the programme. If you want to have your say now, uh, we're clear pretty much through to 3 o'clock. 0800 150 811. Jump on the phone. Have your say. Talkback is a better uh, product when you jump on the phone and um, be part of it. You can text us here on 8833. We've got some good texts that have come in, so we will put those to Justin in one moment. But at Bunnings Trade, we're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.